Hey, I'm Matt Hudgens, and he's Dave Mulvaney, and this is Profitability MD. Dave, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great, Matt. Working from the house today. How about you? Oh, I like it. Always working from the house. I got the home office. And you got Always good stuff. My Green Bay Packers stock certificate right there. So <laughs> for those of you that I love don't you have one here and in the office. What's that? Or you just have one. You, you just have one, have one in the office right? at home and okay. I only have one. That's all. That's pretty good. Yeah, I was gonna say I heard Green Bay that uh, uh, Rogers wants a trade. Can you blame them? <laughs> hey, if I they won't give him a contract, the guy's a league MVP. That I mean, this is not about the Packers, believe it or not. But uh, it, uh, he's a league MVP, and if a team won't give you the contract, you go where. I mean, it's a business, man. He's only got so many years left. He wants to get paid. I can't blame him. Good, good. All right, this is episode one twenty three, opening a second store. Right, so opening a second store, it could be uh, opening your first store, but opening a second store. And so we're gonna talk about kind of, let's, let's do like a little test case and other things that come up. And, and uh, I have a friend of mine who's opening, he's a, he has a wine and liquor store in kind of the suburbs and he's moving into a do, different geographic area, demographic area, uh, kind of in town, open another wine and liquor store. So I thought it'd be fun to talk about that and see what else comes in. You said some things going on with your daughter. So that would be kind of cool to talk about some of those things. So, so what are we talking about or open up a second store? So um, let me ask you a question. Um, so, because uh, you're going to know, we're going to actually use a real scenario here. So what's the, what's the neighborhood like where this second store is going to be? Is it affluent? Is it, I mean, let's look at some yeah, of the- that's a good point. So, so the first store would be kind of in the suburbs, let's call it in the suburbs. And, and it's an affluent suburb or affluent area more family this is in town let's call it a little more a little more affluent but also a different mix right also a different mix and 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 so it's not quite the same clientele similar he's actually going to have in this new location wine storage you know so like if your own wine cellar is is too small you can store wine at his place or if you don't have a wine cellar at all you can store at his place so the other location in the suburbs does not have the in-office wine cellar. That kind of gives you an understanding. Okay, of that's uh, that right there. It screams membership. It, it screams membership. So if you want revenue, okay, you're, you're opening a second store. Any type of business, if you can make it a membership business, meaning before you put the key in the lock on the first of the month, if if you had 500 members and they pay you, just say, just for instance, they just pay you, uh, $10 a month, you before you put a key in the lock, you've got $5,000 of guaranteed money. If, that might even cover your, your overhead in the store. I, I don't know, but I mean, I say overhead at your rent. So if you're going to have a storage, you either charge per bottle or, or a monthly fee for storage. I, I mean, that, that just came to mind. It was like um, opening yeah, a second store, a way to generate revenue would be Okay, we've got this wine cooler. As long as you're a member, you can keep up to X bottles of wine in our in our storage. And um, why would they do that? I have a friend who um, who buys wine every year. He buys about uh, 50 bottles of wine every year, and he's got this big wine cooler, a wine walk-in wine closet in his house. He had the house built with this, and he stores those 50 bottles. They're his, he, they're wines. He would like, you could take the cork out today and it would be a good wine, but he stores them for 10 years. And then in the 10th year, he drinks that wine. He's been doing this now for 20 years. So he's, 
every year he's got a new batch of wines that he brings out that are 10 years, more than 10 years old right, of right, whatever right. the vintage he bought. And, and he says any longer than that, it, it kind of doesn't work real well because the way they make wines today don't have the same. But um, that being said, this guy's got a wine cooler. And if you could lock clients into, you know, for five years paying you a monthly fee, just imagine you haven't sold any wine yet. Right. And now think about it. So this goes back to our basic foundation. So, so in this would be a different target market, right? So how do we target those people up, up in the suburbs? We weren't targeting necessarily. I mean, they were wine people, but not necessarily people that had a really large collection of wine. If you and I are talking right here, one of our fundamentals would be who is your target market? How do we identify them? So we would say, maybe this is like super wine connoisseurs, right? That, that they want uh, maybe he stores this year's wine in his house and, and the 10-year wine in your cellar, right? In your locker, right? So now we got a target audience and now we got to understand more about um, how to uh, educate and motivate them. You know, why would they want to store in your facility? We'd have to come up with uh, a million dollar message, you know, why being part of our club is better. And we have to come up with an irresistible offer, right? That's a basic kind of irresistible offer and this could be just one of the niches for the wine and liquor store yeah you don't you don't need a larger home in buckhead uh to store your wine all you need is a place you can you know store your wine i mean so so you know that's the market because that mark that area and this is where it is right buckhead atlanta I mean, we're, we're, we're spreading this out. I mean, of course, it could be, it, this could be Chicago, but when you're in the city, of course, most of the, if there's one thing that's limited, it tends to be square footage. Right, and right. You can't add on to the house. Older, older home, you don't have a wine locker or there's only a certain size for your own wine cellar. But let's go through this, right? So you're talking about, we're identifying, let's call them, you know, not super wine collectors, but, but really into wine. So now could we get a referral system, right? You've got people from your existing shop, right up in the suburbs. Do they have friends that are in uh, the in-town area that they could refer you to? Are there Facebook websites, groups that are wine connoisseurs, right? Uh, he's going to have a Somali sommelier on site at this new store. I think he has one at the other store. Uh, I know he's getting one at this new store. Okay, you got to pause for a minute. Pretend I don't know anything about wine, and I do. What's a sommelier? Is that like a... That's like a wine expert, right? And so a wine expert that knows everything about wine from the types of wine to what wine goes with what Not food. to be confused with somebody from Somalia then is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, there you go, there you go, that's right, that's right. So they're like a wine export and connoisseur of the wines, they're the experts. But they tell you how to choose good wines and what wines go with other wines or other foods. So can we have a referral system? And, and where do those people hang out? Like I said, is there a Facebook group? Some Somaliers, is there a Somalier group or people that follow, maybe your sommelier is an influencer, right? And so they have their own following, right? So how do we get referrals off of that? Are there joint ventures and alliances? Anybody so, else that we can talk to that has, that knows, you know, the big wine connoisseurs that are in town? And I would pause with the joint ventures there for a minute, because what I think if you were going to open um, a, a wine store, wine and liquor. We don't want to forget about liquor for a minute because right. it, there's great opportunities in the liquor side. But here you've got um, you've got these uh, upscale people who drink wine, and I say upscale, they drink more expensive wines. So you'd want to have a joint venture with a unique winery, maybe one in Italy, 
maybe right. one in um, Argentina, um, maybe even one in France, although it's probably harder to get a unique uh, relationship with one in France. But now you have a unique wine that you can maybe get a higher margin on. Um, and that's the wine that like, it's got to be really good, but it's got to be really unique that, that you have that attracts it, that attracts the audience because everybody wants to have that one thing that's, oh, this is our wine we have. Oh, where'd you right. get that? Where'd you right. get that? So exactly right. And so um, then we talk about publicity and PR, right? How do you get publicity and PR when you're opening the new store and opening the new shop again for maybe something unique? Uh, irresistible offer, your million dollar message, uh, your wine tastings, they call those wine tastings when they'll bring in different uh, distributors, I'm sorry, different uh, wine. Obviously advertising, digital marketing, we talked about that. Are there Facebook groups where, where wine connoisseurs hang out? But you know, in Facebook, you can do the geofencing, so that's still geographical, sure. uh, geographic as well as <laughs> uh, interests and taste, right? Uh, so you have digital marketing campaigns. Um, Drip campaigns from your, again, your existing clients up top, right? Up and out of the suburbs, right? And I would go back and say, what are your numbers from your existing shop, right? Right. So I was going to pause you when, you, you, you're, when you're on drip campaigns. So when somebody comes into your liquor store the first time and they're walking around, most people feel obligated, especially if you let them sample wine or uh, a liquor, um, you let them sample something, they'll feel obligated to buy something. So that's reciprocity. Yes. But when they come to the register, would you like 5% um, off on this order? All you need to do is just fill out this quick form here. And join our club, right. Join our you club. And, and I was, this I is was, just like restaurants. You want everybody's email from your existing store. Like that's one thing, and I, and I didn't even ask him by the way, uh, but you need to have every email from your existing clientele up in the existing store. And that's a newsletter, that's offers, that's events, right? I would that's actually use your network. I would say, here's what you're going to do. You're going to enter the information and then I'm going to send you a text. So you're going to enter your name and phone number and I'm going to send you a text and the text is going to have the coupon. And so now I've got their phone number. Now all of my ads are going to go to their phone number. Uh, so guess what? It's, it's Wednesday afternoon. We're running a special on Friday and I'm going to send them a text. Because these are people that they're they're in my store. They already like something. They bought something, and you can tell by what they bought that day. How much did they spend? Did they buy a thirty dollar bottle. So you know, if they bought a thirty dollar bottle, you might be able to push that person oh. to fifty dollars. They bought a ten dollar bottle. You're not going to be selling that person fifty dollar bottles of wine. So it allows you to even segment your list yes. right there at the register and and build your company around that five percent discount they're already in the store. Some would say, well, why would I give them a discount? They're ready to spend money because then you got their name and you can advertise to them for life. Well, it's for segmentation, right? So, so this is, we say this thing, same thing about restaurants. Restaurant owners do a terrible job of this. You should have every customer's email. Everybody who eats at your restaurant, you should have their email. It should be the same thing for your wine and liquor store. You should have everybody's email, right? And the email is like you said, it's segmentation. We know they bought, we can actually match it with their ticket. We know that they've, um, been in your store. We want to stay in client uh, communication with them, right? So communication and service, right? So that's the drip campaign and the nurturing campaign and the education campaigns. You have different types of the special offer campaigns, the secret event campaigns, right? We're having a secret wine tasting on Friday. What about what about the the buy it now button? Um, 
You've got a secret, a secret wine, and I've got two cases of this wine. It's the best. I want it. And you because you because they have your phone number, or if you have an app, that's even better. The buy it now button on, and boom, you haven't even you haven't even got it in the building yet, and it's a hundred percent sold. It's hundred percent pre-sold. That'd be that'd be beautiful for my existing clients. That that is a great strategy. We got to get into scripts. Um, so we're talking about scripts. And I think, I can't remember again, Dean Jackson, we listened to his podcast. Um, uh, this one might be, I think what this one was called, but he had one where it was a furniture store. And instead of when you entered the store, instead of saying, you know, how can I help you today? Or what are you looking for today? Or, or something to that effect. The, the script was, is this your first time in the store? So you're automatically catching them off guard. So you come into the, the new wine and liquor store. Is this your first time in the store? Let me show you around. These are wines from Australia. This is our unique, you know, only find it here. Or we're the only distributor in the Southeast for this type. And, here, and so you give them a tour as opposed to a, can I help you, right? Because the generic help you leads to, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm just looking, right? But if they, have you ever been in the store before? Your, your natural reaction is uh, no. And so then you go right into your script, which is, well, let me give you the tour. And this way you're showing them the tour and your special products and your unique products and your, and your higher end products. Right. So, and so I would, thinking counts, it matters. It, it, and so what we're talking about here is we've never, we're, we're talking about staying out of the commoditized world. Liquor and wine is commoditized, but all right. of a sudden you've taken your liquor store, very commoditized and your wine store, very commoditized. And now you're turning it into um, it's a service business. And so let me let me let you taste. We've got we've got various tasting stations around the around the store. The only request I have is because of COVID, I'm going to give you a plastic cup that's in a plastic wrapper. You're going to unwrap it, and I'll pour the wine for you. So you don't have to touch it. We want to make sure that we're we're operating very clean. Make people feel good about COVID and everything like that, and and then and clean. But give them the opportunity to taste. Of course the wines that you let them taste, if you're going to let them taste, or uh, now the, there's a whole boutique, um, there's a boutique vodka business, there's a boutique uh, whiskey business, and there's a, a boutique, uh, uh, what is it, uh, tequila. Tequila is becoming very boutique-ish. What I mean is there's all these upscale brands, it's like $80, $90 a bottle, and, and uh, for a small bottle of whiskey, and they got peanut butter whiskey, they got, you can have those tastings, wow. But make sure the one you're tasting offers your store. It's got to be your quality. You you you're the owner. You know what's good. But make sure that it's um, it's got the quality, but the profit margin that you're looking for. Why would why would you let them taste something that has no profit margin? Don't do that. You probably shouldn't even if you're going to be boutique. Um, maybe not carry too many um, too many variations. Right, right. Because square footage is always limited. So yeah, and, and that's an interesting thing we talked about too. It was now we get into this, you know, more transaction, right? So, so let's go back to the previous store, reactivate former customers again. If we have their their emails and we we can tell how frequently they shop with us, what can we do to get them back in the store, right? What can we do to announce to them that we got a new store and your friends? Uh, downsells. We talked about upsells and downsells and um, combining packages. So if you buy a case of wine, you get some other new wine, right? If you buy the, the fancy bourbon, you get some other new product, right? So you can bundle these together with your groups. So you could have your bundled offering or your upsells, right? Oh, you bought this case, how about a case of this? You can have your downsells, oh, you can't afford that, how about this? 
You can have your combo sales where we add our next product that you're saying, here's, here's a boutique wine where we make some nice margin on that you probably never heard of. I'm gonna give you a, a sample bottle, a free bottle, a $5 bottle. If you buy a case of this other stuff, whatever you came in here to buy, I'm gonna add on to it. So you can start, again, this also goes into our compelling offers, right? Where it's, I was coming in here to buy a case of this particular wine to begin with. Now you're adding value by, by giving me a free sample of another wine you have, or even another bourbon or another vodka or another tequila again, to broaden out their knowledge of your existing store, right? So you can have upsells, downsells, cross-sells, but you have to think this through of what is connected and what were these people like and where do I want to help guide them, right? Yes, and there, see now it, it's not, the the world is so different today. In you, every, on every corner, there's a store that sells wine and liquor. I mean, they're everywhere. So how, you've got to make yourself different enough because if you're going to open a second store, the second store is what could define your brand. And so your first store, you figured out how to make money in the liquor business, you know, in the, in the because it's, it's a tight business. But now the second store, now you start defining who you are as a business, really, because now you've, you're like, I really want a, a target clientele that, that, is, that doesn't want to buy a bottle of wine for less than $20. That's, that's a specific audience. There are people who will buy wine in a box, and there's nothing wrong with that. My mom liked cheap wine. Um, but uh, I don't, <laughs> I think it's awful, but um, I like good wine. But that's, that's the point is when you pick a clientele that can afford it and you tailor your business to them and really getting into their wants. You talked about downsells. Well, you let them taste this $50 bottle of wine, but it's, it's Mr. Smith and Mr. Smith never buys a $50 bottle of wine. And he says, I love that, but you know, you know, Matt, I'm not going to buy a $50 bottle of wine. That's why I let you taste it. Cause I got this $22 bottle of wine over here that tastes almost exactly like it, but don't tell anybody cause it's only 22 bucks and I want to sell the $50 bottle. There's your unique, there's a unique value add, right? Here's the $50, $100 bottles of wine. And I'm helping you find the value wine in between. I was just looking at one of my other things on my little uh, uh, wheel of fortune uh, appointments. So uh, now that we're getting it out of COVID or it's been in COVID appointments, I have business owners who have do appointment only type services now, even a jewelry store that's appointment only and a gym memberships appointment only. So imagine appointment only with your sommelier, that wine expert, right? So of course you can have the wine expert wandering around the, you know, the uh, building. Fine. Great. That's neat. You could have it where uh, the sommelier does little, their own little tastings and their own little events. That's fine. That's great. But then you could actually have appointment only with a sommelier where you're going to get 15 minute appointment, a 30 minute appointment with a sommelier and you could ask them anything you want and it's your own private little viewing, right? But what am I doing right there? This is what's happened in the jewelry business for my client is when uh, you have a private appointment, let's say you're getting with a sommelier, that allows for a focused sales opportunity, right? So what am I going to show them? What is Mr. Jackson like? What did he like last time? If this is a new one, where do I want to point them? Where do I want to give them the direction? So you actually get, and then there's that reciprocity you mentioned, right? If you're going to yeah. give them a 15 minute appointment, a 30 minute appointment, um, there's exclusivity in that, by the way, there's exclusivity that I've got an appointment with a sommelier at 2.30 on Friday, right? So what are you going to tell your friends this weekend? Oh, I, I got this one for my private sommelier appointment that I had this week. So 
there's some exclusivity, there's some reciprocity because I gave you 15 or 30 minutes of my time. Now you're you're probably going to have a larger purchase. That's what we're having at the jewelry store. Yeah. Is what about what about local like Buckhead weddings? You you meet uh, with the okay. bride, the bride and the mom, and they come in. They got a private sommelier. They got 30 <laughs> minutes. They pick wine for the wedding, and you make sure that it's all delivered and all taken. Hey, that's a. I mean, first of all, the experience alone with the mo that's mother, mother, daughter, and it might be the father and future son-in-law, or the father and son uh, who make the decisions as well. The, this the private is a appointment opportunity. This yeah. is making appointment only as making a huge opportunity, just what I've seen from my existing business owners right now. There's a reciprocity that they feel obligated to purchase. There's a bigger purchase when they have an appointment than just a random entry. So there's a biggest, bigger purchase. There's an exclusivity to it. There is a focused opportunity for the salesperson to really, what do I want to show them? What am I going to write? So it, there's a whole um, experience that the salesperson can put together, the sommelier can put together, right? That there's this, it, I don't know what to tell you, but it has turned into a boondoggle for my guys that have been appointment only. At first, they were all worried. Oh my gosh, I'm, it's appointment only. I'm never going to do as many sales. I'm never going to have as many uh, uh, memberships. I'm never going to have as many. And it turned out to be the complete opposite. It, exclusivity and reciprocity and higher ticket sales is what ended up from appointment only. So you can open up this new store with the wine cellar, uh, with the wine lockers, I mean, and your sommelier and have appointment onlys with your sommelier, and that could be the uh, irresistible offer, the compelling offer, the exclusivity, and, and now you've got the sommelier that has, you know, they do the little shows, right, the little sampling and do their wanderings, but you'd be much more productive in booking them, right, you know, eight hours a day of, and then that leads to higher sales. That could be huge, by the way. Yeah, right? and you know what's interesting about this conversation you and I are having is, we haven't talked about any ads yet. We haven't spent any money on advertising. <laughs> what we're talking about is naturally people are going to walk in your front door. Right. And, and you can, with, with just PR, you know, free PR, they come in and now you're taking advantage of keeping those people buying yeah. from you. And, and well, go back to, I think you talked about PR and publicity, but we talked about joint ventures and alliances and referral system, right? Yeah. You've got this group of people that are buying from you up in the suburbs, and you know that they have friends that are in town, right? So all that would be very valuable. Uh, the last thing I would go back and do, let's go back to kind of the 80-20 rule. We talked about that at your existing store, right? 80% of your revenue is probably from your top 20% of clients. Who are those people? Maybe we don't, now I'm broadening our horizon instead of just the wine uh, connoisseur. Let's go back to your existing store. And what does that 80-20 rule look like up there? Who are the 20% the of my clientele that are 80% of my revenue? Who are they? What are their demographics? And how do I replicate them in my in-town store, right? Because you've got a, a wealth of information from your existing store that you need to take advantage of. All the numbers you and I talked about before, you know, what is the average purchase price for this type of person, whether it be a male or female, or whether it be wine or liquor, uh, what are the average sales price? What are the average profit margins? What are the average costs to acquire a customer? You and I talk about that number all the time. All the time. So you have this wealth of information at your existing store that you can use to structure your new store. That, that goes back to our little book. You know, we got uh, knowing your, you know, in your financial numbers, you know, we did three podcasts on that, knowing your numbers and how important that is. But you have an existing store. You can go back and look at your own data and find out your 80-20 rules uh, 
what offers work, who are our clientele, and try to retarget. So I wanted mm -hmm. to put that plug back in there. And on that 80-20, I really want the focus to be on profit, not yes. revenue, not just gross yes. revenues, because um, you could you could have a, a liquor store, but also sells beer, and, and your revenues could be massive on beer, but yet you don't make much profit on it. So this, uh, you know, now you're getting into boutique, you might not even have a cooler for beer. Um, you might offer beer that has to be put in a refrigerator. But remember, it's about square footage. And, and you've got a certain amount of square footage you're going to have. And if a, if a cooler that is offering low margin items doesn't make you that much money, why spend the money on the space? Unless you have to, unless that's just your clientele. You don't want to send them to go to a different store. Um, but, but consider that. I mean, that's a consideration is, do I want to sell a low margin item like beer? Now, the boutique beers are a big deal. Now, the, uh, I say right, boutique, right. there are all these microbreweries and big profit in it. I mean, they're, you, yes, go into exactly. total, you go into total wine and they've got aisles and aisles and aisles of, of a six pack of beer that'll cost $15. I'm like, that's crazy. Um, but people pay and it. That's, that's what I would say, go back to your clientele and, and, the, the small business owner usually try to do that, try to compete on price, right? And that's not your clientele, right? Your clientele are the higher end people that want the boutique beer, want the boutique wine, want the boutique liquor, the bourbons, the scotches, and the tequilas, right? That could be your clientele, not the people that go to Costco looking for the Costco wine or the Costco liquor. Some of the Costco's have liquor stores now. That's not your competition. Just like when I do investment management stuff in that, um, you know, the, the people that do it yourselfers are not the people that, that want to hire an advisor. They're not the same people, right? The people that landscapes work with are not the same. I don't want to mow my lawn, right? If I'm a guy who mows my lawn, it's hard to convince me to take it over from me. But but I want the guys that don't want to mow their lawn that want to outsource it, right? Guys like so, me that don't even own a lawnmower. So. Right, right. I don't even own a lawnmower either. Exactly right. But that's the way you got to view it is, is small business owners, for some reason, gravitate to price because that's all they know. Our whole process here, talking about the foundations and more leads and more conversions and more tra uh, transactions and more profits, those are all about finding your little niche, finding your tribe finding your group of people so we don't have to compete on price because we're adding value and we're bundling and we've got an irresistible offer all this makes it where we're not really competing on price we're because our people coming into our store are looking for a particular product or a particular service or a particular experience or a sommelier appointment which you can't get that at costco right yeah i mean the and we we're talking about a commodity business of liquor it is right. so commoditized and in what and, and this is what we, we talk about in our mastermind. It's what we talk about in our profit accelerator, uh, acceleration uh, software is, is how to get your business out of that commoditized world. Because almost all business, look, if your business isn't a commodity, um, it will be soon. I mean, right. if, it's a, if it's a viable business, it will be soon. And you got to stay out of that. And then that's constantly navigating this market of, of competition. And how do you navigate that most is people want to buy. They don't want to be sold to. And so you're in a, I mean, this is a unique um, business that we were talking about today. Um, but there's liquor stores everywhere. And most of them, you walk in the door, you buy what you want. It's never pushed on you. There's a million wines. How do you know which one to pick? Well, how about not having a million wines to choose from? You've got some really good ones and you tailor to your audience. And when they ask, hey, can you get XYZ? 
and you say, I can have a case here for you every month. I, I, I like a specific beer. And I used, to, um, I used to tell the guy, I'm like, hey, would you stock this for me? And he said, no problem. So people will, um, it, it gives you the opportunity to really make a connection with your customers. And if you can learn their names, of course, I would say if, if you, everybody who walks in the door, let's say you're a first time customer, you walk in the front door and um, the owner or whoever's working says, hi, I'm so-and-so. Um, may I ask you, is this your first time in the store? May I ask your name? Can I show you some things? And then you explain your, your tasting process or whatever, but you'd learn the people's names. It's very important. It takes you out of that world of now they're a person. They're not a credit card that just, or a debit card that just walked in your front door. People want to be treated like people, not cattle. Right. And this is really when you get into, you know, the, the, the um, CRMs, right? Client retention management. This is all about knowing who your clientele are and keeping in touch and knowing them on first, first name basis, that type of stuff. And, and, and keeping the data of that, right? What does Matt buy? What does Dave buy? How often does he buy? How often does he come in? So, so there's a whole relationship management. I know I the think. names of people's dogs, okay? Yeah. <laughs> who buy dog food from me. So that's pretty good. That's pretty good. All right. So we got to wrap this up. So we're talking about opening up a second store. We really should have started to say, you need to know your numbers from your existing store, kind of kind of who your clientele is, the 80-20, 20% of your clients are probably 80% of your profits at your existing store. So you need to go know your numbers. You need to do our foundation, right? What are we going to have as our strategy? Who's our target market down in the, in the new location? What's our market dominating position? What's our million dollar message? Uh, what are going to be some irresistible offers, right? We talked about going around the wheel. How are we going to generate leads? Well, we could have a referral system from our existing clients. We should have all our emails from our existing um, clientele in the suburb, right? Yeah. Joint ventures and alliances. We need to have some joint ventures and alliances, publicity and PR at the new place, direct mail. We didn't even talk about that, right? You can email some certain neighborhoods that are close to the uh, uh, wine and liquor store. We talked about digital marketing, which could be Again, Facebook groups, Facebook ads that are uh, what are geofencing, right? That are in a geographic area. We talked about how to more, more conversions. Once people get people in the door, we talked about everything from scripts, right? Instead of, you know, how, how can I help you today? It's gonna be more of, is this your first time in your store? Let me give you a tour where you kind of guide them around. We talked about compelling offers. We talked about uh, drip campaigns and follow-ups and right, your own little wine club, your own little wine storage. We've talked about more transactions. How do we downsell? How do we upsell? Uh, we talked about the appointments for the sommelier, which I think is the million dollar idea that we just came up with here. But the appointments from the sommelier would lead to reciprocity, exclusivity, uh, higher ticket sales, right? Because they're gonna be more obligated to buy once they meet 15 or 30 minutes with your sommelier. Plus you talk about that's relationship building. Now you've strengthened the relationship with that, with that customer. So they'll want to buy more frequently from you. We've talked about upselling and cross-selling when you can combine some offers. They came in for this particular case of wine and you're gonna add something to it, right? And as a sample or as a discount or as a kind of get you in the door, right? So this is all the type of stuff. This is just the foundations in our little five-step formula, right? But the point is, this is the kind of things we talk about in our mastermind um, where we get, get together as groups and we come up with these ideas of how to build your business, how to open your second store, how to make your existing store more profitable, right? Because it's it's not rocket science, but but there is science to it. There are these five fundamentals that we talked about. So if you're interested in a mastermind group, it's matt at profitabilitymd.com, dave at profitabilitymd.com. 
Uh, our irresistible offer right now is this profit acceleration session where we can find any business owner $50,000, $75,000, $100,000 in their business without spending a dollar more on advertising or marketing. That's called a profit acceleration session. It takes about 45 minutes. So if you want to do one of those, reach out to Matt or Dave, Matt at ProfitabilityMD.com, Dave at ProfitabilityMD.com. We'll do a profit acceleration session and see if we can find you some money that's just sitting there in your store, right? So obviously we're on YouTube, ProfitabilityMD uh, channel on YouTube, as well as our ProfitabilityMD podcast, which is what this is, anywhere you get your podcast. So this was great stuff. I love this stuff. This was kind of fun, just going through kind of a sample and what you would do when you're opening up your second store. We talked about a wine and liquor store, but it could have been any type of store or any type of office or any type of business for that matter. So that's the kind of stuff that we like to do. We like to help people. And that's really our goal here is to help as many business owners. We want to help a thousand business owners in the next year. That would be awesome. There you go. All right, Matt. Great show. Have an awesome day. All right, man. Have a good one. See you. Okay. Bye.